Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, June 27th, 2021, and today's episode is brought to you by Lockdown NHL. The Lockdown NHL podcast uh, is here to fill the gap for your hockey news. It's our daily podcast and everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at what the biggest stories and game recaps are each day. Subscribe to Lockdown NHL today, wherever you get your podcast. We have a draft profile episode coming for you guys today. We're joined by Sam McGilligan looking at Ryder Corsak and Stanislav Svozil. Um, but first, some some news. I've been hacked on Twitter, and uh, we're going on about <clears throat> 20, 20 hours now, like since me knowing that I've been hacked, and uh, still nothing is done about it. I'm going to steal a line from, I believe, Ryan Russillo here, but I don't think anybody actually works for Twitter because uh, they have no live customer support service. I have submitted, I've reported like 15, 20 tweets. Um, as have I. As have, as has like everybody I know. And also reporting this page, yada, yada, yada. It basically, I get hacked last night at around 3.30 after finishing a mother effort of a uh, Saturday night shift and find out that there was a login. I did not authorize this. And I couldn't get back in because they changed the email associated with the account. So I was locked out. And then I wake up today and I have like 20 text messages and of people being like, hey, you got hacked because uh, they eventually started tweeting off of it on Sunday morning. Um, just really weird, like generic stuff at first, uh, just a lot of stuff in Arabic. And then uh, eventually they tweeted out um, like a little video that was like a, a hacking highlight reel. I don't even know how you, it was like a hacking mixtape. It was like 11 seconds long. And that's currently my pinned tweet. So on Monday, if you go to the, oh, actually let me back this up because on Friday I got verified, which I did not want. Everybody at the Lockdown Podcast Network got verified. I didn't want it. I actively didn't pursue it. I didn't get verified. Because... I didn't have that many followers. Like there was no reason to me for me to be verified. And I was like, well, that sucks. Now when I get in Twitter fights with people, they're going to be like sick blue check Mark idiot with 1200 followers. And now I've lost over hundred followers. Uh, so that's even more unfortunate, but come to find out that this is a guy who hacks verified accounts and then just sits on them and sells them. Um, so he's got a hacky mixtape. He's gone live twice off of my account. Uh, and it's both times it's just been six minutes of him just like sitting there at his little hacking desk with like three or four phones in front of him, uh, just listening to like Eminem and other like various 2000s rap music. Um, I'm at my wits end. I just want to go to bed and I have five more hours left of my shift tonight. And then on top of all this. Oh, and then so the best thing is I see. So I, at first it's like it's like whatever weird shit happens and then the tweets this morning come out and i'm like okay that's a little bit unsettling 
And then he goes live. And then uh, I tweeted from the Lockdown Red Wings account. I said, can everybody please go report this account? And he tweets back at me and says, yes, with a with a crying, laughing cat face. So this man is taunting me, taunting <laughs> me. And I don't know what to do because I, I like I said, I and tons of tons of tons of different people that I don't know. They have reported a bunch of these tweets and, and this page and nothing has been done. So I was like looking in his tweets and replies. And I was looking at this thread that he had with somebody where he like tweeted at a buddy of his and was like, yo, it's me, your friend, um, Mr. Hacker. Uh, and he's like, yo, you crazy for this one. And um, then he's like, yeah, I'm basically sitting on these verified accounts and trying to sell them. And uh, he's tweeted out like, so the, so this is the, um, the, the message in the main tweet uh, on the pin tweet payment after completion, see this account. I am hacked to contact on WhatsApp and he gives a phone number. I deal with you strictly. Do not hesitate to ask questions. So my Twitter account is being held for ransom. <clears throat> and in this conversation that this guy's having with another person, he's like, Oh, nice. Uh, what do you blah, blah, blah. I can't remember what he said, but he was like, Oh, make sure that you threaten him. Uh, to expose him to his like wife and girl or girlfriend, which like there's nothing to expose me in that regard, but like just in general. And so I was like, Ooh, okay, this is the one because it's a threat. It's an active threat. Like, Hey, make sure you threaten him. Yeah. I sent it to Twitter again, the 750th time that I've reported something to Twitter today. They finally get back to me for the first time. This is what they said. We have an answer. We're writing to let you know that after reviewing the available information, we didn't find a violation of our rules and the content that you reported. We appreciated that you let us know what happened and encourage you to reach out again in the future if you see any potential violators. Thanks, comma, Twitter. Jesus Christ. So um, it's been a sucky day. I'm really sorry. And, How much? Uh, here we are. <laughs> But like everybody on the timeline was laughing about it. And I'm like, guys, I am terrified. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It um, is very unfortunate. Jeez. Um, have you looked into how much he's ransoming it for? No, because I don't want to click on anything and then like get hacked again. Like I'm I'm so afraid to do anything. Yeah. You know, I know I don't I want to contact him on WhatsApp. I don't want to like taunt him back because I, I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, guess what? We got your banking information, too. Yeah, and I'm gonna be like, oh crap. Yeah, I mean, like, I wanted to tweet him and just talk some shit to him, but then I was afraid he was gonna hack me, so I didn't. Exactly. I didn't exactly. Exactly. And I think that's mainly what everybody else is feeling. Yeah. So I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. I like literally don't have any idea of when this might be resolved. I reached out to them last night when I, I, my initial report was like, Hey, I've been hacked and somebody is impersonating me. And they said, Hey, thank you. Got it. Um, sometimes it'll, it'll probably take us a couple days to get back to you, but if it's really serious, it's going to take longer. So, which makes no sense to me. Um, oh. and so just hanging, hanging out. Um, yeah. Oh. I don't know. I don't know where we where we go from here. Cheese and rice. Neither do I. That's you're in a, you're you're in the thick of it here, huh? Yeah. So, uh, draft profiles. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sam McGilligan. It's me and Scotty Bentley in the interview. Uh, I'm Noel Bianchi. 
This is uh, Ethan Smith. I would tell you to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Go follow us at LO underscore uh, Red Wings. Well, I'm still tweeting from there. You know, it's my – I wish I th- – this is like – this made me realize how badly I actually need a burner account because yeah, um, the timeline has been trash. Like I just follow like everybody who follows us on the account. And like a lot of times it's just like we get random follows when we do like giveaways or, or things like that. And so the timeline just sucks. And I just keep going back to my own Twitter. Just see if they tweet anything. Just really depressing. Anyways. All right. Let us move it over to sure. uh, talk about a defense. So we're here with Sam McGilligan from McKean's Hockey. Uh, Sam, where can people find you on Twitter before we before we get into these uh, guys? It is just uh, I need to check if there's an underscore. Or not. Um, just Sam underscore McGilligan, M-C-G-I-L-L-I-G-A-N on Twitter. Now, by the time you're listening to this one, I will assume that everybody has listened to the previous episode with Sam. We look over uh, Ayrton Martino and Logan Stankovan. But if you have not, be sure to go do that. And if you have not listened to that yet, why don't you give the people uh, an idea of what you got coming up, where uh, people can find your work, what you cover, uh, things like that. So mostly everything is just on Twitter right now. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be, I'm going to be posting a blog where I'm going to start. I don't know if it's a sub stack or something else, but I'm going to be making some sort of like, this is my work individually thing within the next month. Uh, the debut project is going to hopefully be up. It's all supposed to come up like a week before the draft. The debut project is going to be a full comprehensive top 32 write up where it's less about like, what this player does objectively and more so why I subjectively rank him over this guy, kind of like just picking through the logic of each selection. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's kind of the goal of what that project is going to be. All right. And just kind of see how it ages, you know, just see like, okay, I was right about this. I was wrong about this. See, I thought I wasn't sure how this way was going to lean, but then it went this way. And now I look like a dumbass. Um, That type of stuff. It's like a little time capsule for future yeah. Sam. So outside of that, on McKean's, I have recently posted uh, my first report, which took way longer than it was supposed to, uh, for Prokarp. Why did I say it like that? For Poltapov. Um, and there's another report coming out for RTM Greshnikov. And I'll be working on a best of series from them soon, where the I'll post the details on Twitter kind of soon enough. But surprise i'm gonna be doing that there we uh, go broke the news right on this show we're news there you go <laughs> so yeah that's pretty much all that's going on right now um because i don't have my own thing too much i'm mostly just working through mckean so all mm. of my work that's worth reading that i put like a decent chunk of time in as of now is landing up on their site and if it's not then it probably fits in like 280 characters and tweet <laughs> Perfect. Sure. All right. Uh, let's talk about Stanislav's Fossil, uh, defenseman Cometa Berno. Is that how you say that? Sfozil? No, I, so I said that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't even, pr- I watch my games on mute oh, for the right. most part. <clears throat> so, like, I mispronounce player names and the teams they play for all the time <laughs> yeah perfect so 18 years old out of the czech republic shoots left 6'1 179 pounds defenseman ranked number 17 on elite prospects 30 by mckeens 18 by dauber and you're right in the middle at 23 in the rankings that came out uh today the numbers are for him you know offensively we looked at a lot of offensive guys in this draft what kind of defenseman 
uh, is he? Uh, he's an interesting one. So was I'm on the side where he should be higher than I have him. So the tier that ends with Sam Wiskevich, those are the guys where it's like I'm comfortable betting on any of you to become a top 15 player in this draft. Few of you aren't going to become that just through the odds, but I would be comfortable taking all of them. So Zilo, I would be very surprised if he doesn't end up like the 15th to 20th best player in this draft at the very least. Like he's so projectable. He's, he's safe. There's safe and there's limited upside with him too, which is why I think he's like mm-hmm. a first round lock, especially in a draft like this, where there's so many like, questions there's not a lot of players that provide the safety that he provides that can also actually still be like a legitimately valuable asset not just like a third line guy or like a fourth line player or like a third pairing number six defenseman or something like that sure um so Swazio, he is just the modern defense what you're looking for in modern defenseman he's just that he's good at defending the transition he's good at defending in his own zone, but he doesn't like to be in his own zone. He likes to get the puck and then he's trying to find a teammate and get the puck to that player pretty much and do it reliably. And he's not just like picking a teammate at right. Like he's trying to look for who's in the best spot to make a good play. He's just, he's like the guy in what I mentioned in the last podcast of like, you just want positive sequences, just like a good play mm-hmm. followed by a good play followed by a good play. He's going to be the defenseman that just kind of starts that chain. Is he going to be the one walking away with the primary assist or the primary goal? No, probably not. Is he going to be the guy that's like dominating controlled puck entries as a defenseman? Also probably not, but he's going to be hella good at getting it out of the zone. He's not going to be useless in the offensive zone or in the neutral zone either. Like he's more than capable of being a re- at the very least a replacement level player, probably slightly above. The thing that limits him is he just doesn't have any like standout trait you can build with to kind of turn him into like a star player instead of just like a really dependable guy. Mm -hmm. Skating is good. It's not great. Shot is fine. Not great. Passing is pretty reliable and solid, which I appreciate. Like he's not inefficient or throwing pucks away or something, but like he's not, faking people out at the blue line or walking the blue line like he's Drysdale or Makar. Mm-hmm. He's not like nailing these super precise cross-ice passes in the ozone right to an open guy for a shot on goal. He's just solid. Just solid hockey player. You're not going to really notice him too much, and that's kind of a good thing. Like He's not stylistically like Brett Kulak, but he reminds me of Brett Kulak in a way. Mostly just because I'm watching the Habs a lot because of the playoffs, but Kulak is just <laughs> a dependable guy who's just kind of making good things happen all over the ice and his analytics show it. He's just a solid defenseman. He's like a, what a modern D is. He's not well, as notable as Sherrod or something. Cause he doesn't throw the weight around. He's definitely more impactful. So uh, a lot of the, uh, the reports seem to, like you said, um, kind of really high floor maybe lacks the super high ceiling and, and a lot of the attributes that are talked about with him are are really not kind of like you said not like physical attributes it's all like in between the ears kind of thing like everybody yep. raves about his hockey IQ and that's why he's he, he he's such a safe pick is there um how 
obviously that's super important. How, uh, what kind of physical attributes can he, or, or like actual hockey attributes, I guess, um, are, are his strengths and weaknesses as opposed to just like what everybody else talks about, which is just how high his hockey IQ is. Um, he doesn't stand out. This is where he like, he really doesn't stand out as a lead. So like, like I, like you just said, it's in between the ears this is where like sure. Spazio is going to build his hockey career. It's maybe his skating. I don't have anything bad to say about his skating where this is where I should probably point out that in terms of the mechanical side of certain details um, found in skating found in uh, proper body positioning when leveraging someone against the board, you know, just like those super fine meticulous details that like a David St. Louis could just like break down into the atomic level. I don't have that same capacity as they do. I look at Spozio skating and go, yeah, you're pretty solid skater. You're not like elite. You're not going to burn anybody, but you're damn solid at it. I can't like nitpick in his form and find all the inner details that he needs to improve on. Or where he's elite at it, though. Um, I guess I'm going to say skating would be the trait, though. Just because it's so rock solid. It just gets the job done. And it complements his style of play very well. Like, he's just maneuverable. And he processes the game fast. So he's always moving. And he's always maneuvering himself into the right spot. And it's his skating that really helps him do that. Sure. Do you think that 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 skating might allow him to um improve more offensively or do you think his career is really going to be defined by like being a defenseman defenseman and just just locking down the back end with that high iq well i'm sitting here thinking about it when you were just asking the question i'm like what like if svazil was one of those players who like next year just takes that big step kind of like Braden schneider you're like what if he just pulls what i said about Braden schneider and does the same thing and just like utilizes his skating better gets more comfortable pushing offense gets more comfortable around the offensive zone um uses his feet better to open up lanes all of those things are certainly possible and hell it could happen like i think with fuzil you can improve the ceiling of what's there in the post draft department like there's a lot of work that can be done and he's got the brain to process it all so he's a, such an interesting player. The more and more I think about him, I'm just like, I don't, I can't justify him any lower and I want to raise him. I just like the guys ahead of him too much. Sure. But if he's on the board for Detroit or something like that, and like the, in the early second, if I was Yeiserman, I'd be sprinting to the podium. He's one of the, that's one of those players where in the second round, I'm like, Okay, I don't care if the next guy actually has like a higher ceiling. I really don't. He's right. gonna be so solid. Like I'm gonna about I might just fix a hole in my second pairing for like six years with a second round pick right now. I, I gotta yeah. do it. Sure. And so Geiserman's a hell of a the Detroit development team that's being built right now is really good, I think. And they could do a lot with him. In what now sense? Because I think that that's something that, you know... Like, what I was saying about, like... Um, sorry. A little bit unaware of, that's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, pretty much what I... Like, leverage the skating, leverage the processing, 
and just make the most of every opportunity that comes his way. I still don't think he's going to have like the high end stick handling or the shiftiness with his footwork or the, the body deception that some of these guys have to open up lanes like crazy, but you can do a lot of damage with just your eyes and Swazil's a heads up watch scanning the ice. Like what is my best option kind of player? And he processes super fast. He's the type of guy where I could see Detroit or another team just being like, Hey, use your eyes more. Let's improve the foot speed a little bit and underhandle the puck. Don't overhandle it and accidentally screw yourself over. Let's underhandle. And every time you can create an open lane with a look off or just like a quick little weight shift or a cut pivot, nice little work on the edge, capitalize on it pretty much. And I know that's so rudimentary. Like you just like, well, you can say that to any player. And it probably can, and they should be saying this to every player because you want them to get better at all these things. But Fuzzy is one of those players where I'm actually like, hey, he really could become like a damn good second pairing guy with his current toolkit just by thinking the game better, using his eyes to just open up lanes everywhere and picking up on the skating a little bit. Built Bar. is going to cheer me up. You know why? Because Built Bar is the most delicious tasting protein bar on the market. I may be hacked. My bank accounts may be compromised. My Twitter accounts may be compromised after I got verified. But guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have a delicious built bar. And I'm going to get my day and week started right uh, with 17 grams of protein at the expense of only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. When we talk to a built bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves because they have nine delicious flavors. That's a lot of different flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. And if you haven't tried the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors uh, delivered directly to your door. That's fantastic. It's probably the way that I recommend you dipping your feet in with the built bars because the the, the flavor variety is so wide that you really don't know what you're going to like. So you get a little bit of everything with that and uh, you're not going to miss out on any of the nutritional value either. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code lock 15 and you will get 15% off of your first order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Klingberg. Oh that boy. Pocket pick. Here's Verana. He's got two. Verana in. He's got three. Patrick Jacob Verana. One thing that I have uh, appreciated about talking to you so far is that you, I can see you changing your mind about something or considering changing your mind about something in real time. And that's something that I do a lot. Like, I'm very much like, oh, but you said this thing uh, last time. Then I was like, yeah, then I watched an eight minute highlight video. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, and I'm and I'm very much like constantly changing uh, my thought process, especially when it comes to stuff like the draft. Like and I and I appreciate that that sitting here talking with you, I can see that you are truly considering things in real time and then applying them to, you know, what you actually have already put out there, how you already feel, and then you, you go from there. So I don't know what the well, thank you. comment is, but I, I just wanted to point that out that uh, I appreciate that. Um, it's Fossil. Let's wrap it up here. William Wallander goes with the uh, first pick of the second round last year. A little bit of a project, might take a while. How can you compare a guy like Fossil to a guy like Wallander, if at all? I don't think there's too much of a comparison there. William Melinder's game. Um, and like and the... sorry, let me also throw a quick in and the path to the NHL. Okay, fair. Um, 
Walinda's game is like a discounted version of like Philip Broberg or Simon Edvinson. Although Edvinson's we'll just go with Philip Broberg, okay? Because that's <laughs> like I actually haven't thought about Walinda versus Edm- Edvinson too much, but when I was watching Walinda last year, I was just like, this is Broberg 2.0, except just like I don't know, maybe not as good, but he's <laughs> huge. He skates like the wind, controls the puck pretty damn well as well for a guy that size. But there's a lot to work on in terms of like how he approaches the game defensively, uh, tunnel vision offensively. He's got all of Walinda's work pretty much is needs to be done in between the years. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of his toolkit and how he uses it, he's not that far from being NHL ready. And he's closer than Svozil is, even at the just the draft year, I guess. But Svozil's game is all in between the head, or in between the ears. <laughs> um, he's just, he's got the easier path to the NHL. Because at the end of the day, the thing I value the most is intelligence, processing, how fast you can process, how fast you can solve problems, how, how quick are you at being effective at what you do. And Sfozil doesn't need a lot of time to do what he does right. Whereas Wallinder, sometimes he just looks like, oh my God, this kid's going to be so good for Detroit. And other times I'm just like, what are you doing <laughs> you were a second round. You went in the second round of one of, the, one of, if not the most stacked draft I ever watched. What are you doing? Like your brain shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't think that that is something you need to do. Like there's a lot of so much fat that needs to be cut out of his game. And the other thing I, I actually should probably point out is I don't even think I really watched him too much this year. Mm-hmm. Like unless I caught him in something else I was watching, I have not followed up on the 2020 prospects as well as I probably should have. So I can't provide much more on Willinder than that. But if you're asking like which one, I, if you had to take one, which one you take, I'd probably lean Fazil personally. Mm. Well, I, and I was mostly just curious about like, cause I, I think people know about Wallinder. Like I think people know um, what the book is on him, how long it could take him to get to the NHL. And it'll probably take him a little longer than uh, maybe most defensemen at that range. But again, if, if he hits, if he reaches that ceiling, it's going to be well worth the wait. Exactly. I feel like a, you know, a guy like Svazil, like that, he might maybe be able to get to the NHL quicker. He doesn't have the ceiling that Wallinder does, but he might be able to get to the NHL quicker still because, um, you know, that maturity is a little bit more refined. The IQ is, is there a little bit uh, more than Volander. So I guess I was just uh, meaning it in that sense. No, I get it. I completely understand. It's just like the, it's like the classic, what do you value more ceiling or floor? Yeah. Discussion. So, right. And in the second round, you can, every scout will tell you something different. Some people like getting quality, just assets that will make the NHL in the second round, since most of them are going to probably bust anyway. So you have something to show for it. Mm-hmm. Others are just like, well, even if I try and draft something reliable, they might bust anyway. So why not just shoot for the stars? Which is what I think Geisman did with last year with Wallinder. Mm-hmm. And I tend to lean with the ceiling kind of discussion. Like I view the draft as a way to gain extremely valuable assets 
Mm-hmm. Like if you hit on a first draft, like let's say you hit on a quality top six forward for a decade in the NHL in the twenties, that's worth way more in a trade than just the first, like the 23rd pick in the draft is right. Mm-hmm. Like you have a fixed value at 23. Let's try and like get something higher. And mm-hmm. if I lose out on the value, then I lose out on the value. Cause eventually some of those are going to hit. And yeah, I mean, if, uh, if you're hoping that these guys become a middle six forward, then, you know, it is what it is. Like, but you can get that anywhere like that. Yeah, that's like, not something that you have to get through the dry or bottom six forward or whatever. I know we're not talking about him, but Daniil Cheka is this player to me where it's like, I have Daniil Cheka almost in the third round, but I don't think Daniil Cheka, like he's pro he's got much more NHL likelihood than quite a few of the names I have in front of him. Um, but what is he going to be? Cause hmm. if he's just going to be like a third pairing guy who can kind of move and just like defend well and all that stuff, like there's nothing inherently wrong with him. I don't think he was as bad. I've heard some people say he was bad this year. I'm just like, okay, Sure. I mean, maybe relative to what you were expecting, but I don't think he was bad per se. It's just, I don't see something that moves the needle for me. And it's just like, Hey, you're all right, but you're likely going to top out as a replacement level player that I can find anywhere. Like I think a solid chunk of the top European players in the SHL and Liga and KHL could all play in the NHL, a decent chunk of AHL players who aren't getting their chance could probably do it. And there's quite a few players in the NHL who shouldn't be there. So am I trying to get a guy who's, so frequent they're playing in the NHL, AHL, SA, like I can find them anywhere. Yeah. Why the hell would I want to take the risk on him? I agree. Premium, there. premium talent. Exactly. For. Uh, all right. We are going to finish up our draft profile series today with Sam McGilligan by looking at Ryder Corsak. Uh, are you still good on time? Oh yeah, I'm good. We're good. By looking at Ryder Corsak center with the Moose Jaw Warriors, uh, 18 years old, 5'10". Only 159 pounds from Canada. Shoots right, ranked number 62 on Elite Prospects, 20 on McKean's, 30 on Dauber. Let's finish off with uh, another short king. Uh, does the size affect his game? Because he, while, you know, the, the height is one thing, the, the weight is a completely different other thing. And to be 5'10", only 160 pounds, I'm 5'7". I cannot fathom ever being 160 pounds. Uh, and give me give me the lowdown on, on Ryder Korzak. I don't overly focus on physical stature at 18 because I don't know the detail and I don't really even want to know like the details of how there's these kids bodies have grown over the last like five years, for example. So it's like, I'll look at the frame and he's five ten, and he's definitely light, but strength is like the literal easiest thing you can give a player. Like, I just assume every single player at the draft is going to get stronger. When I see someone's weakness is like physicality, I'm just like, well, no shit. Especially if they're playing in a pro league in Europe. It's like, yeah, no shit. Were you, if you remember how you were at 17, 18, imagine trying to like go into a board battle with a 26 year old grown man with eight years of experience of people against his own size. Like he's just going to look at you and go, nope. And throw you around. Yeah. It's going to happen. And I think, in junior clubs, you can get away with being 150 pounds a lot easier than pro clubs. But even then, it's just like, it's not that big a deal to me. Sure. Um, but that being said, there are some other issues with this game. I had um, 
like I said with Martino, when I first started watching him, I didn't have my first round fully fledged out. I didn't realize who well, I liked. Well, who what I is like. what does he do well? Let's well, let's start there. What does he do well? Creating off the perimeter. Okay. Like immediately, mm-hmm. um, and it stood out too. Like this, that's actually kind of where I was going with this. When he first started playing, he was creating well off the perimeter, and he plays for Moose Jaw, which is not a good team this year. And I don't really even think it's particularly well coached, but I don't know because I watch shift by shift gameplay. So I remove like the team based context of what players are supposed to do. So maybe some of this was on coaching, but um, he's just stuck to the perimeter and was able to open up lanes and be deceptive and shifty from there and identify medium danger and high danger opportunities and those lanes when they open up for just a few seconds, he could, or not even a few seconds, like a second, he could thread a puck through it. All of that stuff is fine. That's definitely like his biggest strength. When I first started watching him, I was just like, Ooh, a shiny new toy. And I put him in the first round because (laughs) I was still trying to fill it out. And I thought he was impressive with some of the things he did. I'm cooled. I think almost everyone I've talked to who had him in the first has cooled and taken him out of the first two. We all just kind of got a little carried away with it. Um, The biggest issue is he is a center who doesn't really like to play in the center of the ice. And that bugs me when you were creating almost everything through the perimeter that just gets harder and harder. Every time you move up a level, you need to be so deceptive and shifty to pull that off. And you still mostly, unless you're like in the top 1% of perimeter players in the world, you likely still need the threat of being able to cut and penetrate and make plays in the center of the ice. And he does. It's not like he doesn't go there, but you can tell immediately that his effectiveness at creating offensive chances is, isn't as much as it is on the perimeter, right? Like he's sure. a perimeter playmaker at the end of the day. Um, it kind of shows as well on the power play as like, he's just okay. He gets a lot of power play points. That's where most of his, I believe that's where most of his production came from this year. But if I don't know, there's just, he's so weird because compared to most of the guys in my second round, he really is one of the best playmakers but how well it projects is the part where I'm going like, all right, I, I really don't know. I need to keep going deeper into this like dive with him and keep talking to people who are better at this than me and just like kind of figure out what's going on and like projectability and ask if there's any uh, cases like him in the last few years. Cause I can't really think of many. I don't know if like we get a full season, if he heats up, if Moose Jaw kind of gets better and he can start creating in the center. I don't know if he's not creating in the center because no one on Moose Jaw really seemed to want to go there. Like there's another player who's um, miscast on Moose Jaw and that's Cole Jordan. It's just like, he's got the skill set to play an entirely different game than the one he currently plays. Mm-hmm. Like they're not utilizing him properly. So I'm not sure. Are they even utilizing Ryder properly? I, I, I can't discern it yet. So Um, do you think that, like, maybe a move to winger would be possible? I mean, he doesn't like being on the center, but he he plays at the perimeter. He's also smaller. Like, do you think that that's a a, a viable option? Yeah, probably. Um, It's kind of like a really dialed down version, but he's the easiest comparison because he's a rookie who just had a hell of a season in Tim Schutzler. 
Whereas sure. like when I watched Stutzla in Germany, he was so like the skill and the skating combo. I don't need to sell it to anybody. Like he's just so silky smooth. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But so much of his creation comes from the perimeter. And he was being, he was drafted as a center. If I recall correctly, there was up until, you know, the season started, people were like, he's going to be a center. He is not going to be a center. <laughs> Unless he radically changes like how he plays how he transitions the puck and where he creates his most opportunities from, it's not going to be a center. He's just going to be one of the best perimeter players in the world. And he can threaten to attack in the center because he's so shifty with the skating, his cuts and controlling the puck. And he's got a hell of a shot with Korchak. It's like, can you attack the center the same way? Well, maybe not relative to Schutzler. That's a little extra, but can you attack the center in a projectable way? Meh, as of now, can you become even more deceptive on the perimeter? Because you're going to have to be. Because people are like, when he goes behind the net and he can only create from the perimeter, the opposing team is going, okay, he's either going to wrap it around to the D or he's going to try and force this one into the slot. And NHL players just have awareness and where everybody is and they're just going to kind of shut those lanes down. Like he might identify medium and high danger chances when they're there, but he doesn't. overly force them. So is he just going to start forcing them and turning them over? Or is he just going to kind of just rip it around the boards back to the point and just kind of just become a player? I think that's more likely to be honest. Like he's just kind of just like he could play in the NHL with some changes, but he's mostly just going to kind of be like a guy in the NHL. Like the upside is okay, but, if he becomes like a top six forward, he's a perfect example of someone who just like took huge steps after his draft. And maybe there were a few clues there. Just got to jump in here real quick to talk to you about bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action before the next pitch, puck drop, or jump ball. Head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest information. When you sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, when you use our promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's free money, folks. You put in 200 bucks, they give you 100 for free. You put in 500, they give you 250 for free. It's a deal you simply cannot beat. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Uh, go to Bet Online. use the promo code LOCKEDON, 50% uh, uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Sedina going wide with it. Back for DeKaiser. Save oh. rebound. They score. Oh my goodness. He's got four for Jacob Verena. So, yeah. Let, let me ask you this because I like, if you look at his assist numbers, they go stupid. Um, I can't remember what they were a season ago, uh, but he had like three goals and 30 some assists. Yeah. Um, two guys who Red Wings fans are rightfully. Really excited about Lucas Raymond, Jonathan Bergen. They also lack, you know, the the goal scoring numbers at times, but their assist numbers, like pretty much everywhere they go, are are pretty stupid. Um, yeah. Could you see maybe like a, a transition to a player like that, where they are just you know using their their playmaking on that perimeter, using that to create scoring chances, and and pretty much 
I don't know, carve their own, carve his own path to the NHL through basically doing what we've seen Bergeron and, and Raymond do. It's possible. Lucas Raymond is like one of, if not my all time favorite prospect that I ever followed in a draft year. Like Lucas Raymond, if you want me to like plug Lucas Raymond in here for an hour one day, just I'll do it. <laughs> like I had him third above Stutzla. And I didn't even think twice about it. And even after what Stutzla did in the NHL this year, I'm still taking Raymond third. Like, I really believe in what Lucas Raymond is going to be. And it goes way beyond just points. He's one of the most complete wingers I've seen, like, ever. The skill, the skating, all that is just so high level and so silky. And he really could become just such an offensive dynamo. But even if he doesn't, he's going to be so good at everything else. He just doesn't have a weakness. You know how like Marner is such a high-end skill player, but he's such an effective player on the penalty kill as well, and he's actually legitimately good as a two-way player, as a skilled winger? Mm. That's what Lucas Raymond is going to be. I don't know if he has that same super high-end skill as Marner, but I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't and I in the playoffs. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think um... – Sam's a Habs fan, so we, I had to – I really yeah. could not pass that up. I love it. Uh, I don't think Korchak will ever reach like that level of effectiveness, like just ever. Yeah. I would be floored if he did and just like quit well, the job well, Raymond, and find something Raymond else. Is a, uh, Raymond even, is like, a pretty. Yeah. Like even if we're talking like Raymond all the way up here, Korchak be like a down here version of Raymond, like, or in terms of perimeter creation at the very least. And that's possible. But Raymond, he's just good at everything. Yeah, like he can, he can play player. in the center of the ice without <laughs> any issue. Like he's a winger, but he's super comfortable in between the hash marks. He's super aware of everything that's going on around him. What about Bergeron? Do you see any any comparison? I haven't watched him too much this year. I liked him in his draft year. I think I had him top twenty. I haven't watched him too much since. I just know every time I caught him, I was like, "Damn, he's looking good." Mm-hmm. Um, but. With Korchak, I I don't really think he's a Detroit player, just to be honest. I just don't really yeah. think he's a fit with the wings. I think the other three, I could totally see it. Martino, Stank, and uh, Swazio, but not as much with Ryder Korchak. He's just I, – I feel like the more I'm watching him, the more I'm cooling off. Like, what he does well, a lot of those points come from the power play. His point production – his power play production went even higher this year if I remember correctly at five E five, the whole team sucks, but like, I don't know. I just, there's a, there's an effectiveness to how he plays now, but how effective is it going to be as you move up the pro hockey ladder? And what are the changes that need to be made in order for that to happen? And I think there's quite a few changes that need to happen. And as long as he's still playing as a center, I don't know if he's going to develop proper, like, Center to winger is a way easier adjustment than winger to center. Mm. And a lot of players can just do it naturally. He might be able to as well, since he's so attuned to creating on the perimeter. But I just, I, I don't fully know with him. Um, he's one that I definitely want to circle back on. And like three weeks from now, I could probably be like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said all this stuff on a podcast. Now I look like a <laughs> dumbass. Um, because like you said earlier, I do change my mind a lot. Um, when I'm watching things, I kind of just always, I'm always open to the idea of no matter what my opinion is now, 
it's not a hundred percent locked in because new information changes it. And I'm not going to be like, yeah, well, I think this anyway, screw you new information. Cause then I'm just dumb. Yeah. Like I'm still relatively new at the scouting thing. And I think I'm doing pretty decent so far, but I only started this in 2017. I only started taking it seriously in 2019. And this is my second year of actually like doing it good, good. And like really, really dedicating the time and watching like four or five games of all of these players and getting the proper sample size and all that stuff. So I'm learning a lot. My opinions change a lot. Um, you can have the same objective analysis on a player and take it 10 different ways subjectively. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. So like that tends to change a lot. I'm trying to fine tune my draft philosophy. So it's much more consistent year to year, but I'm still in that process. So it's, it's just bound to continue to change. That's the whole point of what I'm trying to do here. So three weeks from now, who knows what I'll be saying about Ryder Korchak. If I get three <laughs> more games in, for example, that I haven't watched. And in one of them, I see him must start like even shift your behavior along the perimeter of 5v5 and a couple of nice plays made in the perimeter. And then um, I start, I notice something like, wait, if he combined this skill and this skill, then in transition, he could become pretty damn decent. Or maybe he could play in the center ice if he does this. And the, like, once my brain starts getting like that, and then mm-hmm. the opinion on a player can start changing once they start asking all those questions, right? Sure. Yeah. And discourse with other people helps a lot too. Like I've definitely just come away realizing in the past, I've had some objectively wrong takes. I've mm-hmm. also caught out people who are way smarter than me at this for having objectively wrong takes. I'm just like, well, I don't know about this one, man. Like you might want to revisit this. And then they're just like, yeah, you, you know what? I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so, that's good. That, yeah. that is what uh, keeps the rankings good keeps people in check i also think too that like you know you don't you're not making a lot of definitive statements you're not saying look i don't see it with this guy blah blah you're saying as it stands right now based on what i've seen i don't see it but here's how we here's how i could see it and i think that's you know important too yeah while you're changing your mind so then people aren't like hey asshole why did you say all those mean things with such conviction and then you're like i i don't know I yeah, I, like that's um, that same logic is why I wanted to do the top 32 pro, uh, prospect thing where I write up why I have each person there and like what could go wrong, what could make me look smart, what could make me look dumb, because it's like it's a, the goal isn't to have what the goal isn't to travel ahead in the future five years from now and write out a list in terms of best player to worst and see who has the most accurate, because I don't. Mm-hmm think that's sustainable on a year-to-year basis what could age really well one year could age like crap the other year there's so much that can happen post-draft that there's it's just impossible like yeah. um will stay will scout stapled himself to maracus nadinoff last year and i really like maracus nadinoff not as much as I, he did but I, I really did like him too and that could look genius three years from now if kuznadinoff is like a top six center in minnesota and everyone's just like, well, look at Will. He was like the only guy to have him in the top 15. But it could also like Kuznadinov could have just a poor development path or whatever. I don't know. Just tons of different things could go right or tons of different things could go wrong. Yeah. But at the day of the draft, knowing what you know and keeping your mind open to all the possibilities, it was a risk worth taking. All, you look at all the outcomes. So this player won't make it. This player will be replacement level. This guy will be slightly above average. This guy will be like a quality middle six player. This guy will be top six player. This guy will be a superstar. Like those all categories. And you just kind of like, well, he 
what's the probability of each one happening for each player? Mm-hmm. Will was extremely high on the, he will be a really good player side of things, but it doesn't mean that it's guaranteed. Like mm-hmm. he just liked the range of outcomes and how he played. And we'll see in three years from now, whether Kuznodinov in the top 15 was the right pick. Um, for me this year, I guess if I had to pick my own for this year, it would be, mm, I don't really have anything too outlandish actually now that I'm looking at it. Actually, I don't really have any comparison for my top 15 or something like that. But like Scott Morrow, I guess it's like yeah. there Scott Morrow is like there's quite a decent chance that he's gonna bust entirely. Mm-hmm. Like it's without question. Like I'm not gonna try and deny that whatsoever. But that range of like he's one of the very few that have actual like he became a real, real star player potential in this draft Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with taking that gamble right now. And if it doesn't work out, then four years from now, people who don't really know how the draft work can laugh at me. Yeah. But I think a lot of scouts feel the same way that you do about Morrow though. Like I I know a lot of people are really high on him and I've even come around to like, just because of the hype of like you, you like Tony Ferrari, like that's his guy. Like I know Scouch loves him too. So I I, Um, I'm at the point now where I'm like, all right, at 22, maybe. And then if not at 22, you know, I would do the pick at 22, especially if I already had another first two, I would be, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Yeah. Like if someone else I liked on the board, even more like, somehow friend like Pinelli was still on the board. I'd probably go Pinelli, mm-hmm. but like, or maybe Stankovic to be honest, but mm-hmm. with Scott Morrow, it's just like, yeah, there are not a lot of defensemen that can do what he can do. And I get it was prep, but he was the Michael Jordan prep. Like <laughs> he was so good. And then he went to the USHL and he kind of like all the anti-moral people were just like, look, look at the flaws. And I'm just like, well, yeah, he came from prep. Yeah. Like, Look how and look at how much he improved in five games in the playoffs against Chicago, who's like the London Knights of the USHL. Like he got a lot better, and there was definite like I saw him and I was like, yeah, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. There's so much to work with there. Imagine fine tuning him, or imagine he spent a whole season there, and by the time playoffs came around, he was just like completely used to USHL hockey. He probably would have dominated those playoffs. Yeah. I think he really would have. So it's just like the range of outcome thing. Like I'll acknowledge that he's complete bust. I'll also acknowledge that he's like one of the few that really can become first pairing and I'll take the risk where it is because it's worth it in my eyes. Like once you hit 21, it's like, Hey, like, what am I getting here? I don't know, but I hope I like what Scott Morrow is going to become a lot more than like Vile Koivinen, uh, who I also really like, but Morrow's ceiling is just undeniably higher. So yeah. All right. Well, doesn't work, uh, out, doesn't work out. That that is a pretty succinct way of putting it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sam McGilligan. Thank you guys for having me. I deeply is. appreciate it. Uh, follow him on Twitter, Sam underscore McGilligan. Uh, go check out his work on his Twitter page at McKean's Hockey, uh, and you have all that great stuff coming up that you talked about uh, with us at the top of the show. So thank you so much. Uh, we, we'd love to have you back later on in the sure. draft season. We've been doing these. Uh, multiple times a week so uh we'll definitely love to bring it back maybe get some for some some sleepers or something like that we'll see but uh awesome 
thanks so much for for joining us today and we uh hope to talk to you soon everybody go check out sam and we'll see you guys tomorrow thank you for having me guys appreciate you all right that'll do it for today's episode of the lockdown red wings podcast thank you to everybody who joined us today thank you to everybody who uh indulged me with my uh sad story um i hope i can sleep tonight we shall see um might need to drink like eight beers might be one of those nights you know what i'm saying um uh yeah not 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 sure what else i got tomorrow we're going to be back with a uh more probably more of an off-season episode i want to start looking at free agents uh possible ufas that the red wings might be able to pursue uh which ufas they might bring back and then and then we can kind of start hacking out maybe a little bit of a roster as we had (laughs) good one I didn't mean to do that. We start figuring out what this lineup is going to look like next year. Do some predictions. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll probably start to find out once the draft rolls around on July 23rd, but that's in about a month here. We're going to have a little fun with it. We're going to try and do some predictions. So we're going to be looking at the free agent class tomorrow's episode. Subscribe. It's the only way to make sure that each and every morning when you wake up, a new episode is waiting for you and ready for your morning commute. And I should say that I looked at the numbers today, Ethan, and for the last three months, we have had a substantial, substantial jump in listenership uh, from month to month. It's been fantastic. We appreciate your support. Um, go report the at Nolan Bianchi Twitter account. Uh, follow us at LO underscore Red Wings. I think I already said that, but just saying it again. Uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. You're locked on Red Wings. Your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.